Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Oh, yeah. And here we go. Talk to Recorded live. A-U-N, American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger lie, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit, Jr., in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Thank you, everyone. Really appreciate your your uh, support of this weekly broadcast, uh, uh, and we've been honored to have so many wonderful people on this call over, over the last 10 and a half years. This is week... 526, the month of December, the year 2017, and we have two more uh, broadcasts next Thursday and, and, and the following, and then we're going to take a break for the rest of the year. But before we do that, we got to get uh, an update in about the Joan Benet Ramsey uh, murder mystery. And uh, I stumbled across a, an incredibly done YouTube video uh, earlier this week, which I shared with Melinda Kula. And uh, it's sort of like the hand that fits the glove. Uh, this lady wove a fabric of, of facts together, which paints the backdrop uh, that really lends more credible evidence to why this case hasn't been broken. And what Melinda has brought to the table on 
multiple times she's been on this call at least three or four times. The last time was June, July 20th of this year. Uh, she has expertly uh, uh, exposed the one individual who did commit this murder with a, a bunch of more than just circumstantial facts that she has lined up. And, and we're getting very close to, to really breaking the lid open on this case. Uh, so what we're going to do tonight, uh, Linda will present uh, a sort of a, a reacquaintance to the to the facts of this case as she has uh, put down in past calls, an abbreviated version of that. And then we're going to play this YouTube video. We're going to pause it a couple of times, uh, and uh, and then and then at the very end, we're going to do a recap. It should take about an hour, uh, but this this audio podcast is going to be very helpful for. Uh, researchers in the Joan Benet Ramsey Mystery Network of community researchers all over the world to use this YouTube video in conjunction with Linda's facts uh, to really isolate and expose uh, who the true killer was of this poor, beautiful little little girl back in 1996. We're coming up upon the 21st anniversary of Joan Benet Ramsey's murder, which took place uh, in the early morning hours of uh, of uh, 1996, our son had just turned three years old. Our oldest son was born on on, on, 19, on December 26th. Uh, I think the murder probably took place on the 25th. Melinda, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the, uh, the dead body and whatnot, uh, it could have happened in the middle of the night. Melinda, thank you for coming on and participating in tonight's show. I thank all of you at American Underground Network for your constant vigilance over all the things that you discuss, but especially this child, because of what this child endured. This evening, we are going to, as a team, we are going to mesh what we know about Bill Ramsey, a.k.a. Larry Roan, a.k.a. William Lawrence Roan, those are the three names we'd like to deal with, even though it's the same person. And we're going to tie in the mountain of circumstantial evidence. And when we're finished with that, we're going to listen to what this young lady put together. What you're going to hear today in reference to the many, many links between Bill Ramsey, when I met him, that was the name I'm familiar with and John Bonet. We're going to tie everything in with such a bow that the authorities will have no choice, especially if we all call them up and ask them why they're not doing their job, they will have to look for him. So let us start with this. Bill Ramsey, when I met him, that's the name he used. That is the name that the karate instructor of the second school introduced him by Bill Ramsey, actually William Bill Ramsey. But after the murder of John Bonet, he changed his name immediately. This is so important. He assumed a new name. When he assumed immediately after her murder the new name of Larry Roan, that came to play because that's the name he started to use on his business cards for wood carvings. Wood carvings were his way, along with a few others, working in shipyards, 
learning how to tie knots. Therefore, the garrote comes into play. But when he used the name Mary Roan for his wood carvings, and you flip them over, these are quite expensive carvings, hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. Mine alone was $700. He doesn't sign Larry Roan. Please remember this. He does not sign Larry Roan. Instead, he just signs a short W ending very up, very high on the second swing, I-L-L, just Will, as in Bill, as in William, and he ends it with a hangman's noose. Remember that hangman's noose. That's how Tompany died. He's very proud of that hangman's noose. But this same man, Bill Manby, now using the name Larry Roan, has recently, in the last two and a half years, almost three, hidden himself away in North Carolina. That's where you're going to find him. He was safe, he thought, in Manahawkin, New Jersey, 17 minutes from my house, in Stafford Township. He was safe there for many, many years. But the more we trust this man on your broadcast, the more uneasy he felt. So eventually, especially I'm sure the last couple of broadcasts, that was what prompted him to relocate elsewhere, to basically run. But when he ran to North Carolina to work there under yet his latest assumed name, he decided to poke fun at the police. How he did that was this. He used the name Bill Lawrence Roan. Bill is always the name he keeps returning to. Lawrence is taken from the book Lawrence Schiller as the author, Perfect Murder, Perfect Town. That's where Lawrence came from. He's basically laughing at the authority. He's still using the last name Roan. How do the authorities find this chameleon with multiple names, multiple names, but the same face? How? Well, that's easy, too. All they have to do as police or a detective who has authorization or the FBI for that matter, all they have to do is contact the Lakewood, Florida Police Department. Bill Ramsey, under the name, this is important, under the name, the new assumed name, the latest assumed name, William Lawrence Roan, Bill Ramsey was arrested. He was arrested on November 2nd, 2009. When he was arrested, they commenced with prosecution. How he wiggled out of it, whether or not he wiggled out of it, that's not important. What is important is this. When he was arrested November 2nd, 2009, in Lakewood, Florida, remember, he sells his wood carvings at the Disney theme park. When he sells his wood carvings, he's surrounded by the very children that he hates. He is surrounded by their mothers, who he also hates. In the place that he was hiding out in North Carolina, behind a woman's Victorian home he rented from her, he had his own arsenal of weapons. 
they were seen by his current employer at the time. And he had boxes of bullets for those weapons. We passed that information on to seven FBI division field offices in six different states. They have all that information. What they do with it is their business, but they do not have deniability. We reported this information on the last broadcast on American Underground Network. They were given the information by a lot of your listeners. It continues to go in their ears because we all know Boulder will do nothing about it. Not only was Bill Ramsey arrested, but Bill Ramsey, our chameleon, was also arrested. Any police officers listening, please write this down. In Burke, North Carolina. He was arrested in Burke, North Carolina in December 2016 under the name Bill Lawrence Roan. You want to pull those records for two reasons. They have his current mugshot. What does he look like today, 21 years later, under another assumed name? More importantly, and I did investigate this on my own, when anyone is arrested, the standard procedure is to take their police mugshot, but also their fingerprints. That fingerprint card from both areas, that has, his fingerprints that can, in fact, be matched up to the fingerprints that were found at the JonBenet Ramsey home in the murder scene area of the wine cellar. This is so important because it doesn't matter, and this is always an argument I seem to be having with everyone for the last 21 years. It does not matter whether or not, at this point in time, that Bill Ramsey was, in fact, the illegitimate son of John Ramsey, or that his mother told him, John Ramsey is your father, pursue him for child custody, child care, fatherly guidance. That's between these two men. That can be determined by a DNA test. But you can't get a DNA test. You can't get anything that will clear this up one way or the other or show us this is the right person until the authority in Boulder give permission to outsource outsource the search for this individual to the FBI or why not simply involve a neutral party, the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases, because they're a team of homicide experts from around the world and they're growing every single day. They can, if it is outsourced to them by Boulder police, they can then take the arrest records from the two areas that I mentioned, from Burke, North Carolina, in December 2016. They can also take the arrest records from Florida, which is Lakewood, Florida, and they can compare the fingerprints on the print cards for both locations to what was discovered by this poor child. Now, are there enough links? Are there enough links to warrant an investigation? Because please, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this. The Boulder Authority flew to Thailand to pick up John Mark Carr. 
just because the professor said she might be involved. The professor said they had conversations back and forth, and he feels that this should be looked at. Well, the professor is a very smart man, an honorable man, and he felt that he was helping John Bonet. God bless him for that. But I am not a professor. I'm a mother, and I'm a grandmother. So if I tell you something, does it have less value? Because I'm a mother and a grandmother, but not a professor? I don't know. You be the judge. Because here's what I have to say. I met Bill Ramsey. Eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe. The multiple links between John Bonet and William Ramsey, they include. This is the one that's most important. There is one other. Bill Ramsey said that he expected, prior to him leaving New Jersey, he expected to receive $118,000. He called it his inheritance. He mentioned this prior to the murder of John Bonet. He mentioned it before he ever left New Jersey and stepped foot in Colorado. It is the same amount that is mentioned in the two-and-a-half-page ransom note. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't know that any of you do. That's an odd amount. The term foreign faction, that also appears in the ransom note. But that term comes from a self-defense tactical training brochure, and that's described and available to only local police officers. It's intended for them to be better equipped at protecting themselves. Bill Ramsey attended such a course under special permission by the local authority, as well as the karate instructor. And Bill Ramsey, now listen to this, because the link is going to be circling around pedophile rings. That's why this part is very important. Bill Ramsey attended a course, self-defense tactical training, it's term is foreign faction. All of this is coming together. But Bill Ramsey's instructor, Mr. Tom Yobagi, that was an alias. He had to have an alias because Mr. Tom Yobagi went to prison later under the name Mr. Scott Razor. Why did he do that? Why did he go to prison? Because he was a convicted pedophile. He was in prison for only nine counts. They were pleaded down from 53. He was teaching the police officers at night. He was molesting their children in the earlier classes. Children were taught self-defense early in the day. Their fathers were taught self-defense, police officers, later in the evening. So nobody could imagine that this man, Mr. Tom Yobagi, also known as Mr. Scott Razor, a convicted pedophile, no one could imagine what he was doing during the day because their parents were officers of the law. It takes some sort of stupidity to attack an officer's child. He did it, and he got away with it, and then he went to jail later. Bill Ramsey is that third Santa that John Benet mentioned to the family and the friends at the Christmas party. She expected a visit from a secret Santa after Christmas, and he was going to bring to her a present. They found a white bear in a Santa outfit. It was discovered. But till this day, they do not know who is the giver, who is the giver of the gift. Now, imagine Bill Ramsey, if you will, 
I'm going to visit. I'm going to be him. I'm going to visit my siblings. I'm going to visit my father. I expect to get from my father $118,000. That's going to sustain me for one year. But I can't go empty-handed. So I have to bring a present for my father. I have to bring a present for my siblings. What would I bring a little six-year-old girl? A doll? A bear? Into Santa outfit? How perfect. Little girls love dolls. And teddy bears? All the better. What am I going to bring for my brother, Burke? How about a bat? Or baseball? How about a bat? Because there was one found there. And to this day, they do not know who brought the bat. And to this day, they do not know who purchased the bear. But I need something unique for my father. He's going to give me $118,000. That's this year's inheritance. So what can I bring for my father? Bearing in mind, I love wood carvings. I work at a cabinet factory. I do the very thing I love the most. I make wood cabinets, and I do my best because I love working with my hands, and I love molding wood to my specification, especially the wood carvings. Native American Indian chiefs, warriors, that are Native American, the hunters, not to mention the medicine man. No women, no children, just the male figures. Why not the women? And why not the children? Because he hates them. That's why not. He hates them. Bearing all of this in mind, what would be, according to my liking, I love wood, what would be the unique gift from my father? Here's what it is, and here's what it was, and here's what split that child's head wide open. When he was in the karate class number two, which my husband attended and my son attended, on the wall there was a wood carving. It was an ornate, hand-carved, hand-painted, wooden karate training sport. It was a work of art. It was absolutely magnificent. My son loved it. After he would successfully complete his class, and obediently, by the way, he was allowed to play with it. He was careful. He knew it wasn't a toy, and it was a magnificent piece of work of art. But the karate instructor favored Franklin. So Franklin could scoot up, grab it off the wall, and play with it for a little while. Bill Ramsey was at that class, and Bill Ramsey was furious. Because Franklin, his five-year-old little boy, was playing with this magnificent piece of wood. He took it off Franklin, and he thrusted it at Franklin. This is a small child. Franklin, being fresh out of class, Franklin bounced back and saved himself. And then Bill Ramsey and I had our own little chit-chat about his bad behavior. And I put it back on the wall. Well, it disappeared. That wooden karate training sword is made authentic, much like a a larger full-scale sword. And you could, in fact, split a child's head open. It will not break the skin because it's not made of metal. It's made of wood. And it's a bit rounded at the V point, where the right and the left sides come together. That disappeared, that unique piece of wood artwork disappeared from the karate school 
and so did Bill Ramsey's application. No one else's, only his. The rest were left untouched. So now Bill Ramsey leaves New Jersey, expects his $118,000, brings gifts for John Ramsey, as he calls him, my father, and for his siblings, though he hates them. They receive all of Daddy's attention, and he receives a lump of a lump, a, a large sum of money every Christmas Eve, and then go away, because Bill always felt he was the black sheep of that family, and had no other rights, not to be with them, not to sit with them, not to get to know them, only to collect his money and go back to New Jersey. And that's what he continued to do every Christmas Eve, except each Christmas Eve, the amount he received was different. One way or another, a little bit more, a little bit less. So he went there, and he did not collect that money. He wanted to use it upon his return to pay the tuition for himself and his two friends, Ed and Terry. Remember the ransom note talks about my two friends have your daughter? Bill, when you saw one... You saw Ed and you saw Terry. It was very, very rare that you would not see all three. They worked together in construction. They were out of work that Christmas. Because construction is not something you do during the winter months, it is seasonal. But they also attended the karate school together when it was in Weirtown, New Jersey. That's the second school. The teacher is honorable. The first school is the pedophile school. Scott Razor, a.k.a. Tom Yobagi. So Bill returned without the money, so therefore he could not pay the tuition to the karate instructor number two for himself and his two friends. More things happened immediately. Bill changed his name to Larry Roan. Bill painted his black Ford Ranger pickup truck. It's now red. His two friends abandoned him quickly, like a hot potato, when it was all over the news that in Colorado, a small child was found dead in her basement, and the last name was Ramsey. Whether or not, please hear me, whether or not these two friends, Ed and Terry, had anything whatsoever to do with what happened to that child, that is for the authorities to figure out. But if the authority in Boulder will not do the least of what I expect them to do, just go find Bill Ramsey, check his DNA, check his left palm print. That was on the wine cellar door. His DNA was left in two different places on John Benet's clothing and herself. Check those things. If you don't want to do the least of what you should do, simply do minimum. Here's minimum. Go to those two police departments in Florida and North Carolina, pull the fingerprint card, check the prints against what was found on Bill Ramsey's, in, within Bill Ramsey's crime scene area. Check that out. You're going to find out that we are correct. And then you can go and arrest him. And you can use the authority across the globe to help find him, plaster his face all over the Internet. Do you have a picture of him? Mr. Authority, yes, you do. You have the Ocean County, New Jersey, police mugshot for when he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend. He not only assaulted her, he used her for a human ashtray. 
and he beat her on a regular basis to a pulp. She later was found dead after the JonBenet's death, after her murder. But JonBenet wasn't the only one that died in that family, so did Elizabeth. Four years earlier, during the Christmas New Year holiday, just like her sister. And I do not believe in coincidences. Two children in the same family are killed during the Christmas New Year holiday. That is not a coincidence. That needs to be looked at with a magnifying glass. But, again, the Boulder Authority went to Illinois. They had the accident report for Elizabeth sealed. Why did they do that? Did they find a link between the death of the two children in the same family? I'm guessing they did. Otherwise, there'd be no reason for them to seal Elizabeth's records covering the death of this young lady in an, in an automobile accident. Now, that being said, I think this is a very good time since we do have recorded, thanks to Mr. Fred Smart and everyone else, we have it listed on their site, as well as my own, Melinda Kula Facebook site, we have the last recording from July. That is going to give you all the information you're getting right now, and then some. But what we need to hear, now that you've heard a summary of the links between Bill Ramsey and John Bonet, and there's just one more, and this is probably the most important, then we need to hear what this young lady has to say in reference to who got away with it. Uh, not who, I'm sorry, not who got away with it, but why they got away with it, how they were able to get away with it. And she just put this together this past November 30th. She gathered a lot of information. This young lady did her homework. There's one thing we all need to remember. If we do not think Bill Ramsey is the murderer of John Bonet, then please tell me, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, after she was killed, Bill Ramsey returned to New Jersey. He didn't have his $118,000. He couldn't pay the tuition for himself and his two friends. There was no reason for him to paint his truck from black to red. There was no reason for him to quit his job, go on sabbatical, and change his, his appearance entirely. And by the way, move every couple of weeks in with one person, in with another, so there was just no paper trail. If he did not kill her, there was no reason for any of that. But if he did kill her, and I tell you that he did, tell me this. If there's no connection whatsoever between Bill Ramsey, who's now using the name Bill Lawrence Rowan, tell me this, ladies and gentlemen. How is it when he returned and he was confronted by the other adults in the karate class of school number two, the honorable school, how is it when he was asked why he's changing his name from Bill Ramsey to Larry Roan, why? He said, I'm a man of mystery, and he thought that was funny too. And then he was upset about something. He had a confrontation with another man, my husband, by the way, because he was so angry when he returned. He was so full of rage. He tried to take it on my husband. My husband gave it back to him. and He stormed out, and that's when he said, call me Larry Roan. And when he returned the next class, and an officer who was a part of the class challenged him on that. Hey, Larry, Bill, whatever your name is, are you related to that little girl 
that was found in Colorado. That is when he freaked out. Bill Ramsey freaked out. He's now Larry Rome. And he screamed out. He bellowed. I don't know no Johnny B. Johnny B. My goodness. Where did he get that name? After he screamed that out, I don't know no Johnny B. He stormed out of the karate class. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny B. is the name mother and father use to address their child in the privacy of their own home. Many of us, all of us, did not know that information until John and Patsy wrote their book, Death of Innocence. It was in there. But unless we are in their home on a regular basis, we would have no way of knowing that. But as soon as Bill Ramsey, that horrible Christmas, that horrible Christmas, when he returned and he didn't have the money and he was filled with rage, he came back with a secret that he let the cat out of the bag himself out of his own mouth. And by the grace of God, I'm sure that's how that happened. He bellowed out the nickname that the parents used for their own child in the privacy of their own home amongst other family members, the siblings. He yelled that out, and then he came back, and it never came up again, but I never forgot it. That yelling out, I don't know, no, Johnny B. cannot be explained away. He might be able to explain away that $118,000, but I don't know how, but he might be able to. He's a pretty smart guy, and he's a trickster, and obviously a chameleon. But how is he going to explain away knowing in the early days of the investigation I don't know no Johnny B. He didn't say John Benet. He didn't say I'm not related to that Ramsey girl. And oh, by the way, that officer never brought up her last name. Not her last name, not her first name. He simply said, do, are you related to that little girl, that little girl that was found in her basement dead in Colorado? And that prompted Bill Ramsey screaming out what he did. Now all of this has come together very beautifully, I might add, in this woman's ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together on her end of explaining how these people got away with this. And it's more than one. Anyone who knows the information about Bill Ramsey, because we have been sending it out, and we included all the links and his photos, the photo from the North Carolina driver's license, which is the same man from the police mugshot 20 years earlier, 21 years earlier, same exact man. And how do I know that? Let me finish with that as well. There's a bounty hunter here in Ocean County. He's a friend of mine. I've given him information over the last nine years, and then we lost touch. So he contacted me a couple of days ago, and he said, Melinda, he said, give me absolutely everything that you have on that Bill Ramsey character. I want from day one and your entire 20 years of collecting information. I said, why? He said, because the FBI is in Ocean County, New Jersey. We have a few missing children. A dead body was found in the gaming farm, and they want to see if the dead body belonged to the two missing children. I want to bring to them everything you have. He did not know. I happen to have the North Carolina DSL copy of the license, the driver's license of William Lawrence Rome. He did not know that. I didn't think to mention it. I sent him everything. It included that. He called me back and he said, Melinda, oh my God, Melinda, the Bill Ramsey 
police mugshot in Ocean County, New Jersey, taken 21 years ago, is the very same person, Bill Lawrence Roan, from the North Carolina DSL driver's license. It's the same exact person, only aged. And I said, are you sure? Are you willing to bet your reputation? He said, yes, I am. He said, you remember, Melinda, when you gave me everything, I started hunting him down. I made friends with him, or I tried to, because he was going to um, an organization to help him get off drugs and get off alcohol. He was an alcoholic. He was also heavy into drugs. So was his girlfriend before she was killed, found beat to death. He said, I joined that organization, even though I wasn't supposed to. I just said I had a problem as well to try and find out more information about him. And I am telling you, that's the same man. That's what we needed. We needed someone who's a professional in law enforcement of one kind or another to stake their reputation on the fact and their many, many years of experience as a bounty hunter as well as a private investigator that this is the man. The pictures are of the same man. Multiple names, but the same man. Now, that being said, I think we need to go to this young lady's recording. And if you will, Steve, thank you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 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 everyone, what we're going to do right now, it's a 17, 18-minute recording. It's a YouTube video. We're going to start it. I may pause a couple of times, uh, but we're playing this so that we can talk about it at the end of the session. This is a video that, that uh, provides some factual information that can explain why this case has not been prosecuted and why Joan Benet Ramsey's uh, mystery about her murder has been unsolved to this day. So Linda, Melinda has provided a bunch of facts that are more than just circumstantial. They're, they're direct uh, evidentiary connections to a real living human being that uh, is connected to this murder. Uh, and uh, Linda, before we do this, was there ever a handwriting analysis of that uh, of ransom note and, and, and as it relates to the comparison between Larry Roan's uh, handwriting and, and that ransom note? Actually, I'm so glad you brought that up. The application to the Karate School Number 2 by mm -hmm. Bill Ramsey, granted it's short, granted it's short. However... Sure. I took that application as well as a copy of the two-and-a-half-page ransom note, yeah. and I brought it to a forensic criminologist with over 20-plus yep. years of experience with the Ocean County Prosecutor's Office. Sure. And I said to him, I want you to look at something as a personal favor for me. You have the expertise. I do not. Will you please see if there's similarity in the handwriting? Mm -hmm. Immediately immediately he noticed one thing that none of us noticed, none of us. He said, Melinda, in the application to the karate school, there's a P, and that P has a slash across it, as if somebody was stabbing someone from right down to left. Mm -hmm. He said, there's the P. He said, but Melinda, that same unusual, very unique P, it is also in the two-and-a-half-page ransom note. Now, how is it that we all miss that, and this man took one glance at both documents and spotted it immediately? It's because he has 20-plus years of experience. It is because he's a forensic criminologist. It is because he's an expert at his field, and somehow he knew what to look for. And when he discovered it, 
I said, well, what does that mean? To me, what does that mean? I'm a lay person. You tell me. You're the expert. Melinda, in all my years of doing this, I've never seen that. I've never. So I have to tell you, just on that alone, because it is so unique, like a signature, he said, Melinda, it's in the same documents. Both documents have the same exact unique P with a slash across it. I would have to tell you on that alone, this is the same author of both documents. Now, I told him where that P came from once he brought it up. I was very familiar with a VHS jacket cover. VHS, remember way back when? It's called The Seven Deadly Sins. And it lists them one above the other. And the middle letter of each of the seven deadly sins has a slash across it. One of the criminal profilers, he said that this murderer, based on his expert opinion, had an awful lot of free time on his hands. I don't know if he was out of work. I don't know if he was disabled. But he said he had a whole lot of free time on his hands, and he used that time to watch TV. And he listed some of the movies, the old movies from way back 20 years ago. He listed some of those that he felt that the murderer enjoyed watching by the mere fact of the terminology that was in the ransom note. And to know Bill Ramsey as I know him, The Seven Deadly Sins is right at the top of his list of what he would enjoy watching. It is the most gosh-awful film about what gluttony looks like, what murder looks like, what what your sexual deviant desires would look like, which would be one of the seven deadly sins. But guess what the P means? It's the sin of pride. We have motive, we have means, and we have opportunity. They were out of work. The three men were out of work, Bill Ramsey and his two friends. Bill Ramsey was expecting to receive his inheritance of 118000 an amount he mentioned prior to ever leaving, and he did not come back with. Henceforth, the rage and the hatred and the need for revenge. Well, he already took out his revenge. He didn't, get, he didn't collect his $118,000 from Daddy Dearest, but he did take a life. So he got his pound of flesh. All of this is now coming together, and there's no wiggle room. There is no wiggle room for Bill Ramsey because of what that forensic criminologist with the Ocean County Prosecutor's Office observed quickly from his experience that no one else saw. But now okay, no, 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 no. Melinda, we're going to have to get right to this video, though. So, Go ahead. Of course. Do we have enough? Let's, let's, let's everyone just take a – we're going to take a pause and listen to this very thoughtfully, quietly. If you could star six your phone. Uh, and listen, I, I will uh, pause it maybe once or twice. I will ask Steve to pause it a couple of times so we can all catch our breath. But please try to listen very intently. And the link is in our newsletter. You can watch it later as well. So go ahead, Steve, and we'll come back to this. Hey, Internet Explain friends. The, the year was 1996. The Spice Girls released their debut single, Wannabe. American President Bill Clinton won a second term, making him the first Democrat since Roosevelt served two full terms. The state of Israel elected Benjamin Netanyahu as their prime minister. The divorce of Prince Charles and Princess Diana was finalized, with Diana officially forfeiting her right to serve as queen. 
Former NFL player and actor O.J. Simpson testified for the first time in what would go on to be the most publicized criminal trial in history. A successful rapper by the name of Tupac was gunned down in Las Vegas. The Summer Olympic Games were held in Atlanta, Georgia, with 197 countries represented. Dolly the Sheep, allegedly the first mammal ever cloned by an adult somatic cell, was born. And just as the year was coming to a close, a six-year-old beauty queen took her last breath, her body discovered in her family's Boulder, Colorado home the day after Christmas. For years to come, the media would have a frenzy with JonBenet Ramsey's murder, plastering her face across tabloids, throwing accusations of blame at a cast of characters, captivating the masses and redirecting their attention to the latest distraction, bowls of pineapple and milk, as well as various intruder theories overshadowing the fact that a millionaire's daughter was found in the basement of her family home, her body showing signs of chronic sexual abuse, and her back left with traces of stun gun marks, and discovered within her own father's office a videotape titled How to Create a Mind Slave Using a Stun Gun. But as the shadow of the Ramsey's numerous defamation lawsuits tower over those who dare question their involvement with their daughter's murder, I feel like I need to make something very clear. I'm not, not here to tell you who killed Jean Benet. I'm here to tell you why they got away with it. All of us who are parents fully expect that our children will live long after we are gone. And when it does not happen that way, there is a great void of grief and loss. In order to understand why Jean Benet's case was mishandled on numerous occasions, getting to know the Ramseys, is essential. Let's begin with John Ramsey, a former Navy officer who moved to Atlanta, Georgia in the early 70s, starting a computer firm that merged with two other firms to form what is now known as Access Graphics. In 1991, the same year that the Ramseys moved to a 15-room Tudor-style brick home in Boulder, Colorado, while maintaining a summer home in Michigan, Access Graphics was acquired by Lockheed Martin, an American global aerospace defense security, and advanced technologies government contractor. And it should be noted that Lockheed Martin is no stranger to scandal, especially when it comes to bribery and blackmail. In addition to the two children he fathered with his wife, Patsy, John had three children from a previous marriage. His 22-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, died in a car wreck in 1992. And four years later, the same year Access Graphics cleared over a billion dollars and John was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. His daughter, John Bonet, was murdered. John's wife, Patsy, was born in Gilbert, West Virginia. In 1980, Patsy married John, and together they had two children, their son, Burke, and their daughter, John Bonet. In 1993, Patsy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer that would ultimately claim her life in 2006. It's been reported that Patsy's family were members of Masonic Fellowships, and while this information cannot be verified given the nature of secret societies being, well, secret, the claim can be somewhat substantiated in the way that the Ramseys presented their home and their daughter. Black and white Masonic checkerboards decorating both. Growing up, Patsy and her sister were beauty queens. Patsy won the title of Miss West Virginia in 1977 when she was just 20 years old. And she was frequently hired for ribbon cuttings by then-Governor Jay Rockefeller, along with former KKK member and Senator Robert Byrd. This connection is relevant given that just last year in the released Podesta emails, a curious email popped up from Tamara Luzado, 
who was chief of staff for both Jay Rockefeller and Hillary Clinton. In the email, Luzado listed out her grandchildren, their names, as well as their respective ages, reporting that they would arrive by Uber for the recipient's entertainment. Listing details about heating the pool and a possible swim, while this in itself is hardly conclusive, the email paired with Tamara Luzado's website, Evie's Crib, is suspect, especially since the website's tagline advertises guests to spend time online with her grandchild, raw and uncut. Patsy's connection to former Senator Robert Byrd is of interest when taken into consideration with Kathy O'Brien's claims about the senator. Kathy alleged that she was a victim of the CIA's MKUltra project, a mind control program which the CIA admitted to, and she claimed that she was Robert Byrd's sex slave. The connections between the Ramsey family and the powerful network of individuals tied to the government and the military-industrial complex are noteworthy. Moving on, the Ramsey's son, Burke, was nine at the time of his sister's murder, and he's been the object of media scrutiny ever since. A popular theory being circulated in recent years, and it even aired on CBS, suggests that Burke was the one to murder his sister, and his family covered up for him, staging John Bonet's death to appear like a botched kidnapping. A year before his sister's death, it was reported by the ex-housekeeper that Burke had struck his sister with a golf club out of anger, leaving a scar on her cheek. This served as the basis for the theory that Burke murdered John Bonet by accident. But if you subscribe to this theory and believe that the Ramseys covered for their son, you've mentally established the Ramseys as liars. So why wouldn't you believe that they'd lie about their son smacking their daughter upside the head with a golf club as a means of explaining John Bonet's injury? Did her brother at nine years old repeatedly sexually assault her too? If so, where did he learn that behavior? Additionally, the ex-housekeeper also alleged that Burke had a history of scatological problems. This narrative reemerged once again in 2016 during a CBS special, during which FBI special agent Jim Clement claimed that Burke had smeared feces on a box of candy that his sister got for Christmas, and that the crime scene technicians had discovered feces smeared across the bathroom wall in the Ramsey home. It should be noted that, in Burke's defense, fecal smearing, in addition to being a sign of a mental disorder like OCD or schizophrenia, is a physical indicator of abuse, specifically physical or sexual abuse, a behavior utilized by children as a means of showing distress when they're still too young to put their emotions into words. The Ramsey's daughter, John Bonet, was six years old at the time of her death, a kindergartner at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder. She was crowned Little Miss Colorado in 1995 and held several other titles during her short life. But despite her parents' efforts to doll her up and make her appear like a blatantly sexualized tiny child adult, John Bonet was still a child. It was reported by the Ramsey's ex-housekeeper that John Bonet had started wearing pull-ups again in the months leading up to her death and Patsy had covered JonBenet's mattress in plastic due to her frequent bedwetting. The ex-housekeeper described both JonBenet and Burke as frequent bedwetters. While many children go through a phase of bedwetting when they're young, regressive bedwetting can be a sign of sexual abuse. However, both of these children could have been exhibiting signs of anxiety relating to their mother's terminal cancer diagnosis. On December 20, 1996, Access Graphics held a celebratory luncheon in honor of reaching their $1 billion mark. Three days later, on the 23rd, the Ramsey family hosted a Christmas party at their home with around 30 guests. At 6.47 p.m., an attendee dialed 911 and hung up. An officer responded to the call, leaving the Ramsey residence shortly after being assured there was no emergency. 
John Bonet attended a play date with her friend Megan, telling Megan's mother that Santa Claus was going to pay her a special visit after Christmas, and that it was a secret. On December 25th, a day many regard as Jesus Christ's birthday, but serves as a major pagan holiday celebrating the birthday of Mithras, the god of a Roman mystery religion, John checked on his private plane. Returning a few hours later, then transported the family to their friend's Christmas party. Back at home, post-party, John put John Bonet to bed. This was the last time she was seen alive. On December 26th at 2 a.m., a neighbor heard a scream that she characterized as piercing and obviously from a child, lasting three to five seconds in duration. John and Patsy awoke early that morning in preparation for the family vacation to their Michigan home. John took a shower and got dressed while Patsy put on the same clothes from the day before, and she reapplied her makeup, proceeding to go downstairs to the kitchen. And at the bottom of the stairs, she discovered a handwritten note. It was a ransom note spanning two and a half pages, indicating that John Bonet had been kidnapped, demanding $118,000 for her return, misspelling words like business only to turn around and properly spell the term attache. The Ramseys checked John Bonet's room and confirmed she was missing, then proceeded to check on Burke, who they allegedly left sleeping alone in his room, despite the possibility of a kidnapper being at large in their massive 15-bedroom house. Patsy called 911, reporting her daughter's kidnapping, then immediately dialed their family friends, the Whites and the Fernies. Officer French was the first to arrive on the scene, reading the ransom note and conducting a quick search of the house looking for a possible point of entry or even point of exit, which included a search of the basement. Officer French paused in front of the wine cellar door, secured only by a wooden latch, behind which was John Bonet's body. But the officer later claimed he was looking for entry points, and a wine cellar was an unlikely one. Thus, he skipped over it. Shortly after Officer French's arrival, the Whites and the Fernies appeared at the Ramsey residence, with Fleet White searching the basement, noting the broken window and suitcase underneath it. John later claimed he'd broken the window months prior. Fleet even searched the wine cellar, but claimed it was too dark and he couldn't find a light switch. Another oddity was the victim's advocates who arrived early that morning. The advocates were a group of trained individuals who helped families through traumatic events. They brought the Ramsey's bagels and coffee. Then at one point, they wiped the Ramsey's kitchen counters down with spray cleaner, contaminating the crime scene. All the while, Burke was allegedly asleep, awoken hours later to get dressed and go over to the White's house. After Burke left, John Ramsey searched the basement alone, then reemerged to assemble the ransom amount, $118,000. About five hours after the initial 911 call, John Bonet's room was sealed off by police, but the rest of the Ramsey residence was not. Representatives from the FBI swung by, but they left after a while, along with the remaining officers, leaving Detective Linda Ardent alone with the Ramseys and their friends. The detective instructed John Ramsey, along with his friends Fleet White and John Fernie, to do a top-to-bottom search of the house, which she later stated was to give John Ramsey something to do and keep his mind occupied. John Ramsey immediately went down to the basement with Fleet White and found John Bonet's body in the wine cellar with duct tape over her mouth, a cord around her neck, her hands bound over her head, and her body covered in a blanket. John ripped the duct tape from her mouth and attempted to untie her hands, then carried her up the stairs, placing her on the floor, where she was then moved by the detective in front of the Christmas tree for unspecified reasons. I ordered him to put John Bonet down, 
I knelt next to her and I leaned down to her face. And John leaned down opposite me. And um, his face was just inches from mine. And we had a nonverbal exchange that I will never forget. And as we looked at each other, I remember, and I wore a shoulder holster, tucking my gun right next to me and consciously counting out that 18 bullets. Why did you do that? Because I didn't know if we'd all be alive when people showed up. 20 minutes after John Bonet's body was found, John phoned his pilot, but the police instructed the family not to leave town. Eight hours after Patsy's original 911 call, the Ramsey house was secured as a crime scene. Later that night, under police surveillance at a friend's house, Patsy asked for Valium, sobbing, asking where John was. He had been at the airport, and when he returned, they both got Valium, waking periodically to ask for more pills. The results from John Bonet's autopsy revealed the cause of death be asphyxia by strangulation, accompanied by head trauma. Also noted was the chronic genital inflammation in form matter in the vagina, pointing at repeated and recent sexual abuse that was verified by a panel of experts. Additionally, John Binet had a strange red heart scribbled on her palm at the time of death. And the marks on her back were attributed to a two-pronged stun gun. However, no stun gun was found at the residence, just a videotape in her father's office titled How to Create a Mind Slave Using Stun Gun. Ten years after her death, on August 27, 2006, MSNBC reported the fact that the stun gun marks were found on John Monet's back and broadcast photos of these two-pronged marks. MSNBC quoted Taser Corporation's admission that these marks indicated use of its products. But that report was too little, too late, because years earlier in 1999, a grand jury indicted Patsy and John Ramsey for child abuse resulting in death and being an accessory to a crime, including murder, in connection to their six-year-old daughter, John Bonet. But a prosecutor declined to sign it, citing a lack of evidence. Was the lack of evidence by chance or by design? Whoever murdered John Bonet got away with it for the following reasons. JonBenet's murder was the only homicide in Boulder, Colorado that year. The police department was woefully unprepared in investigating homicides. As they were building their case against the Ramseys, Boulder police expressed their frustration on numerous occasions at their investigation being stifled by the prosecutor, who was a little too chummy with the defense team. Whether the police department's lackluster procedure and mishandling of the evidence was a result of incompetence or purposeful obstruction is a debate for another time. But the fact is, they didn't do a good job at investigating this little girl's murder, and the Ramseys didn't do anything to help them. They were unhelpful from day one. Instead of speaking to police in the days following John Bonet's death, the Ramseys went on television, creating the illusion of cooperation in the public eye. The media played a key role in the outcome of John Bonet's case. Which makes sense because the Ramseys hired a PR firm in the wake of their daughter's death. The media treated the years following her murder like a pageant of sorts, where all the suspects pranced around on the world stage in an effort to win favor in the court of public opinion. The lack of journalistic integrity was evident. Theories were paraded like facts, and facts were discredited as theories. All the while, the most damning evidence was not mentioned until years later. Instead, the media latched on to hoaxers like the school teacher John Mark Carr, who was arrested in Thailand in connection to John Bonet's murder, whose charges were eventually dropped due to lack of evidence. 
A woman came forward in 2000 reporting that as a child, she had been the victim of sexual abuse by distant relative Fleet White Jr. and his father, but also John Ramsey. She further reported being prostituted for pornography. While police took her story seriously enough to interview her, her story was dubbed a fabrication to discredit the FBI. A lot of weird stuff happened over the last 21 years. In 2005, Natalie Holloway went missing, becoming a high-profile news story. A year later, Patsy Ramsey died from cancer. And in 2007, John Ramsey began dating Natalie Holloway's mother. In 2015, former Boulder Police Department Police Chief Mark Beckner did a live Ask Me Anything question and answer on a popular website called Reddit, but then quickly deleted his responses after claiming he didn't realize it would warrant so much publicity. So it appears that either the Boulder Police Department still hasn't figured out how to properly handle themselves in regards to the Ramsey case, or or they're just trying to tell us something. The individuals responsible for John Bedane's murder got away with it due to police incompetence. The Ramseys and their friends' contamination of the crime scene, as well as their numerous high-level connections, like that of Lockheed Martin which was in the process of selling access graphics at the time, and it's speculated that Lockheed Martin played a role in delaying the trial. JonBenet is, unfortunately, one of many, but she was white, her family was rich, and she looked like a doll. And still, her case was handled like her life never really mattered at all. Imagine the children who are murdered or disappear every year, and their tragedies are totally ignored by our media. We can't help JonBenet. She's dead. But we can potentially stop the cycle of abuse if we identify the established patterns. Familiar players in cases like John Bonet's and even Madeline McCann's disappearance. We can stop the cycle of abuse if we set aside our trivial political agendas and understand that the agenda being pushed on us extends far beyond the political. It's an evil that's woven into the very fabric of our military industrial complex and our nation's power structure. Forming a network of abusers with a chain of command that reaches all the way to the very top. What do you think, Internet friends? Who killed JonBenet Ramsey? Let me know. I always look forward to your comments. Thank you so much for watching, subscribing, and supporting my channel on Patreon. All right, everyone. That was from the YouTube channel called Really Graceful. We don't know the individual's name, but the really graceful YouTube channel was the producer of that video. Uh, again, uh, paints the backdrop of very elite uh, businessmen and government officials and private investigators and public investigators who seem to be uh, not really interested in the truth behind the solving the mystery of Joan Benet Ramsey uh, because uh, Melinda Kula, our, our, our frequent guest on this call tonight, has laid out very succinctly uh, a, a pattern that's very simple, that's very direct. And when you combine it with this YouTube video and the facts presented, uh, they create a backdrop of why this murder mystery has not been solved. But Melinda, over that backdrop, connects the dots to actual facts, experiential uh, documented uh, uh, the, documented experiences that she, her husband, and others out there in New Jersey can verify and can be validated uh, from the record. So, Melinda, why don't you go ahead? 
Um, yes, while she was speaking, and I've heard this many, many, many times, this woman did an excellent job to perfection as to how many people got away with this. Many, not just one, not just the murderer. But the people were covering up for the murderer, and why would you do that? For what this child endured, why would you do that? But they did. That makes them accomplices. That makes their part in this a prosecutable offense. And let us not forget that. So if, in fact, the Boulder Authority did not investigate Bill Ramsey, though they've had the information repeatedly, and I can prove it, by the way, for the last 20 years, 21 years now, repeatedly, almost from the early weeks of the investigation, they won't look at Bill Ramsey. The DA won't look at Bill Ramsey. The last two governors, the last three district attorneys, they all had the same information, and no one is pursuing Bill Ramsey. That in itself is highly suspected behavior and I, suspicious behavior, and that's going to lead to their prosecution, by the way. And that's happening now because our president is trying to take down elite pedophile rings. Now, that being said, just recently, if everyone who is listening simply Google Atlanta, Georgia, pedophile rings, and Boulder, Colorado, pedophile rings. Just Google those two things. What you will come up with, I know because I did, the FBI has recently themselves posted that there are strong links between the elite pedophile rings in Atlanta, Georgia, and the elite pedophile rings in Boulder, Colorado. You might ask yourself, why is that important? Why does that apply at all? Since you listened to this young lady's report, now know why it applies. Since we go back and remember that Bill Ramsey did, in fact, attend a karate school, number one, where his instructor was a pedophile who was molesting the children, let us not forget from the earlier recording with American Underground Network from July 20th. In there, we're talking about great detail, Bill Ramsey, the murderer building a loft over the karate school, number one, and that is where the children were being molested. So is Bill Ramsey an accomplice to the children, 53 counts pleaded down to nine, is he an accomplice to what happened to those children? You bet he is. Is he a pedophile? I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know. When John Bonet was examined by multiple experts. It had been determined that she had aged scarring over a period of time, different periods of time. Now, how is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Bill Ramsey bragged, the black sheep of the family, that when he saw his father was always every Christmas holiday to collect his inheritance, that amount changed every year probably based on John's bonus, I would guess. But in any case, what I believe we're going to find out when they finally do have the backbone to go get Bill Ramsey and check his DNA and check his left palm print, I believe we're going to find out because then he's going to brag because he's not going to want anybody else to take credit for his work. We're going to find out that when he visited his family, his father, for his inheritance, when he did that, he did something else. He sexually assaulted that small child during those pickups of his inheritance. Because let us not forget, he hated them. 
he was angry, they were doted over. He received money, he was chased away. That's how come the statement by the FBI that the Boulder Authority in Colorado, the elite pedophile rings, left untouched. No one prosecuted them. Nobody even looked at them for decades. And the same thing with Atlanta, Georgia. Now, John, when he found his daughter deceased on the ground in the basement, in the wine cellar, John came upstairs with her. John phoned the pilot. John, is his intention was to go to Atlanta, Georgia. But as I recall, his two children from the prior marriage were waiting for him in Michigan. Wouldn't you go to Michigan to comfort them? They, too, were told the sister is dead. Their sibling is dead. Why would you go to Atlanta, Georgia, when your children are waiting for you in Michigan? Why would you do that? So this, this, the FBI, not Melinda Kula, the FBI, they created this link. They did that. And I believe they're very much aware of everything we are reporting. And this was a help for us. Not only do we have this information here, but one thing, I've had my children disappear in my own home. Doors are locked, windows are locked. So where did I go? I instinctively ran to their bedrooms to look under the bed, to look in the closet. Were they playing hide and seek? And if you remember what happened with the two men, Fleet and John, when they were at the steps leading to upstairs, and the detective suggested, why don't you just look around, see if anything's missing. Maybe you can find her. At that point, she was just missing. I find it very interesting that the friend, Mr. White, he started heading up toward the bedroom. He did start heading up the stairs. John turned around and not, he did not take that same step up the stairs where I would have. And certainly, Philippe thought to go check the bedrooms first. He did not do that. He went straight to the wine cellar. He went directly downstairs to the wine cellar where his daughter was found. Fleet saw that John turned around, that John was going downstairs. So rather than continue upstairs, he turned around and he joined John. He stayed with his friend to comfort his friend, help his friend, and then I imagine both of them would go upstairs and check the bedroom. And all of a sudden the child is found. So it seemed like John knew knew where to go. Now, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I just really do find that highly coincidental. And I would really like to hear some comments about that. Thank you, Melinda. Uh, Melinda, you were mentioning those two friends. Were those the two friends with John Ramsey or or Bill Ramsey? Yes. That were there in the pickup truck or whatever? Terry and Ed, I do know both their names. Okay, do you know do you know if they actually were on the trip, or is that speculation on your part? That is the one thing I have not been able to find out. And if, after 21 years of digging and meeting Bill and trying to avoid him killing myself and my children on multiple occasions, that is yeah. the one thing I do not know. That's the one thing, because I do find it very interesting that after it was posted globally that this child and her name was found dead, and the karate school here made the connection, and Bill Ramsey came up with the child's name, the nickname used by the parents, 
And when I tell you immediately, I mean as of that day, those two friends separated from him. They didn't come to class any longer, and they had nothing to do with Bill whatsoever. They treated him like he had the plague. Wow. Okay. But the ransom note does mention two friends, right? Yes, because before the murder, they were inseparable. We called them the wolf pack. Wolf pack not meaning to compliment them by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but the wolf pack, they they travel together. They hunt together. They're inseparable. They cover one another's mm-hmm. back. That's why we called them that. And let us not forget, Bill Ramsey, his effect on everyone, when everyone met him the first couple of days of the class for the children, Bill Ramsey's behavior pattern was to look at each of the children as if they were chickens in the hen house and he was the fox. There was such an uneasy, eerie feeling that came over all the parents and caregivers of the children because Bill would always sit very high on the bleachers, closest to the children, almost leaning forward to the point he was going to fall off, and, of course, next to the wooden sword that disappeared when the application to the karate school also disappeared, but there was a second one. He forgot about that. Mm-hmm. These things are now all coming full circle, and they cannot, by the mere fact there's so many links, cannot be explained away. And one more thing. I truly believe that if Detective Lou Smith would have lived, I believe he would have pointed this entire case to only one person, Part of his lengthy list did, by his nature, as one who covers all his bases, it did have to include all the local pedophiles, of which there were many. But when you eliminate them because they had alibis that had been verified, what you would have left is Bill Ramsey. And unfortunately for the world and for those who loved him, this honorable man of great integrity I believe he would have come to the conclusion that it was Bill Ramsey and let's go look at him. Let's go find him. But he died. He had cancer. God rest his soul. Bill Ramsey? You mean John Ramsey? Um, Detective Lou Smith died. Oh, Lou Smith died. Sorry. Yes, yes, Lou Smith died and he would have pursued Bill Ramsey. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you reiterated things for me. I find it very curious that the Boulder Authority and police officers usually stick together, detectives especially, I find it very interesting that they tried to shut him out. They tried to gather all of his case history and then for the purpose of not including it in the file, but for the purpose of destroying it. Destroying it so that it can never be read, never be looked at. Wait, case history of who, of what? Of the detective's the, the work? Boulder, right, the Boulder, the Boulder Authority. Yeah. They wanted Detective Lou Smith to hand over their investigation to, um, I believe his name was Mr. Kane, the yeah. special prosecutor, and Mr. Kane's position was to destroy all of it. Destroy. Are you kidding me? Are you uh, serious? Now, what does that tell you? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. That's max of a cover-up. So that yeah. means all these individuals are accomplices. That means that they should be prosecuted for their part in the cover-up 
of the double murder, once it is proven, and I'm not saying maybe proven, if, I'm saying once it is proven that this Bill Ramsey, now using the name Will Lawrence Roan, is in fact the killer. And you can't get away from all of these links. And one more thing, and this will link John to it. The Bible was open in John Bonnet's room to Psalms 118. It is this, the stone, which the builder rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. Find the sacrifice to be offered with the cords to the horn of the altar. That's exactly what happened to this child. Number one. Number two, that Bible and the other Bible that was open to another passage, those two Bibles, there is no doubt in my mind, because it's very, I have many. I have one in every room on every floor. Anybody who comes to visit, grab a Bible and sit and find peace. But they're very hard to go from page to page. The paper is very thin, like onion skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Bill Ramsey could not have used gloves to open that Bible to Psalms 118. He could mm-hmm. not. I tried it. You cannot. But he opened it to 118. So you know what that tells me? That tells me there's fingerprints on that page. Now, another individual who's very interested in this case contacted John Ramsey, the father, and said, I was just wondering, where are those two Bibles? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're somewhere packed away. Well, I was hoping that we would be able to get them and check them for DNA or for fingerprints because it stands mm-hmm. to reason that it was the murderer who opened the one Bible to Psalms 118 because what that psalm says is exactly what happened. She was the sacrifice by the mm-hmm. sacrifice to be offered with the court. So if we could have the Bible, if you don't mind, dig it up. Let's check it with the MVAC, which will pull out the least amount of DNA, off anything, and furthermore, let's look for fingerprints. There's ways of gathering fingerprints, even if it's 20 years later. They can still do that. And he said, well, see if I can find them. And then someone discovered that Mr. Ramsey went to the manufacturer to purchase two new Bibles within 24 hours of that request. Hmm. And at some point, I did receive an email from Mr. Ramsey asking me simply this, where is he? He's talking about Bill Ramsey. Do I know Bill Ramsey? Wait a minute. You received, wait, from Miss John Ramsey? Yes. You received? Years ago, halfway through this murder investigation of 21 years, yes. I have a lot. Wait a minute. Have Have you been in touch with Mr. Ramsey? Only one time to ask him to please take my information. It was well before, it was well before, in the early years, before we started to realize there's something wrong here. I smell a rat. As a matter of fact, I smell several rats. It was before that time, so I basically sent the information to his attorney, Mr. Mm -hmm. Wood, Attorney Wood. I sent it to Patty because we didn't realize There might be cover-up here by the authority. Why would they cover it up? There are elite pedophile rings between Georgia and Colorado. We didn't understand any of that yet. That didn't come until the latter, let's say, 16 years. So at that point, I felt like these were two grieving parents. Let's find Bill Ramsey. And Mm -hmm. if it's true to Bill Ramsey collecting the money from his father, why would you not give him up for what he did to your other daughter? 
to your other child. Now, that brings up another point, talking about John Ramsey. It was said that John Ramsey denied ever being at Subic Bay Training Center, SBTC. That's a bald-faced lie. He simply said, when asked, were you ever at Subic Bay Training Center? Were you, were, were you ever stationed there? And he didn't answer. When people don't answer, that's always a yes. Not sometimes. It is always mm-hmm. a yes. He did not answer. So the question came up again. Were you ever stationed at Subic Bay Training Center? And this person who was asking the question is very persistent, just like I am. And there was no answer. And he said, come on. Were you ever at a training center? Well, it wasn't called that. It was in the Philippines, but it wasn't called that. It was called something else. Certainly not Super Bay Training Center. That's not true because my bounty hunter slash private investigator, he contacted multiple people that were deployed there when it was called Subic Bay Training Center, and they sent him pictures and proof visible proof that it was in fact called Subic Bay Training Center when John Ramsey was stationed there when he was in his early 20s for 18 months. There's the first lie. Where are the two Bibles? I don't know. I don't have them. There's the second lie. Where's the bed that was from the guest room? And the apron for the bed, it's called the dust cover, was pushed upward indicating that somebody came from underneath the bed at that one point. So where was the mattress? Where was the box spring? Because underneath, we could still get DNA. We could still get hair fibers. Because this individual, Bill Ramsey, could have easily slipped under there. Someone was under there. Someone slithered out of there because the apron, the skirt, around the bed, it's called the dust cover, was thrown up in one little corner, and there was nothing else under the bed. That was verified. Whereas in John Bonet's room, those two beds, they were jam-packed with things under the bed for extra storage, but not in the guest room. That was the room that the siblings used from the prior marriage, so they kept it clear underneath and on top. But somebody was underneath there, so the question was asked, Where's that mattress? Where's that box spring? Oh, it was gone long ago. That was John's response. Things keep disappearing that he should have that would help us find the murderer. Okay, no problem. It's real simple. Police officers who are listening, FBI agents, detectives, anybody in law enforcement, you would be able to get the authority because everything can be outsourced if the Boulder police or the district attorney, especially the district attorney, has authority to do so, according to Troy Ide. And Troy Ide knows what he's talking about. He is from Colorado. He said the district attorney, Stan Garnett, can, in fact, outsource for help. That being said, what would I do if I could outsource it? I would outsource the investigation to the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases. There are elite homicide investigators, and there are hundreds of them now. But I would also bring in Dr. Henry Lee. He has the crime lab in Connecticut. Put these two, Dr. Henry Lee and this American Investigative Society of Cold Cases together. Go find Bill Ramsey. You don't even have to find him, actually. Go get the fingerprint cards from Lakewood, Florida, 
when he was arrested on November 2, 2009, and then also go and get the one when he was arrested in Burke, North Carolina. They have all the information. That was Burke, North Carolina, December, early days of 2016. If you have those two documents, they're police documents, they're government-generated documents, and they match up to the fingerprints that were found at the crime scene, then you have reason to go and find Bill Ramsey. And he's easy enough to plot to find. He looks like Charles Manson, actually. That's how you're going to find him. We do have his mugshot. We do have his North Carolina DSL driver's license. They have his picture. You could pull it up right now and probably still see it. All right. Anybody, uh, a comment or question for Melinda? Cooler, real quick. Melinda, thank you so much for outlining this whole thing. I'm in a little bit of a vestibule echo chamber here as I'm talking to you at a McDonald's. Sorry about that. Well, Melinda, uh, do you you see a breakthrough happening? I mean, do you feel real confident that this new information is going to lead to a conclusion or an arrest? I absolutely do, and I'll tell you why. We need more people that will put the pressure on the district attorney, Stan Garnett, to outsource to the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases. That's Detective Kenneth Maines, M-A-I-N-S. And if he would do that, we would have this resolved very quickly, as we could have 20 years ago, because they've had the information all along. We just continually add to what we uncover. That's number one. But number two, the bounty hunter who has a private investigator's license, he's on the ball, and he's speaking and has been for the last couple of days with the FBI that are here in Ocean County because of the missing children. But not only that, I know somebody else is hot on the trail of this information about Bill Ramsey. This Two days ago, a gentleman followed me in Walmart, and I did not get an uncomfortable feeling. I was aware of him. He walked in and out all the aisles looking for an opportunity to talk to me. When he finally found an opportunity to tease me about the cereal bags looking very much like dog food these days, and sometimes it's getting hard to tell dog food from people food, we laughed over that, and that is when he said to me, I am a private investigator from New York. I just relocated right here to Ocean County, he didn't have to tell me that, and who would volunteer that information? And he said, I'm going to give you some guidance. I said, what kind of guidance? He said, I would like to see you, Melinda Kula, I would like to see you focus on only Bill Ramsey, not the pedophile rings, so they're a part of it, not the authority who are, in fact, accomplices, because that is true. But I want you to focus on only Bill Ramsey. You tell the A to Z about Bill Ramsey, and then take that information and give it to all of the journalists who are investigative journalists, not any journalists, investigative journalists in the Colorado area. Find them all, give them your link, and let them run with the ball because you have no clue how many people are looking for what you have and what you've been reporting on American Underground Investing on your on your station. Yes. So so this just happened two days ago. Wow. A total stranger? A total stranger? Absolutely. And he knew your name, right? Yes. And he told me what he wanted me to do. He told me who to talk to, investigative journalists, not just any journalist. And then he mentioned, very interestingly enough, only one magazine, the National Enquirer. Now, how would he know 
that I did in fact receive a phone call and an email from one of their one of their reporters who is an investigative journalist, but he travels around the world and he said, I only have a short window of time, hours, to talk to you about the John Bonet case, about Bill Ramsey, because I've been reassigned. I only have a few hours to get your information. But when I was able to reach him, because I had serious health issues among multiple family members, when I finally was able to reach him, then he was gone. He was on his next assignment. But what I did do is I gave him all the information. I found a way to send it to him, and I did. Now, this man, this stranger, he knew that that particular magazine, that particular investigative reporter received everything, the A to Z about Bill Ramsey. How is it that he came up with just that one magazine, National Enquirer, and the investigative reporter? He knew it all. How did he know all that? And and, and uh, when when I when I make a search for Boulder, Colorado pedophile rings, the first thing that comes up is an article by the National Enquirer. Really? It's called Joan Benet Ramsey, victim of psycho kitty lover cult. <gasps> wow! I did not know about that. And this is NationalEnquirer.com. It's the first one when you when you Google Boulder, Colorado pedophile ring, Joan Benet Ramsey, victim of sicko kitty lover cult. Wow, Fred. It's right there. It, there. it just says National Enquirer staff. It doesn't have an author. Just by National Enquirer staff, July 29, 2016. Oh, you just left me speechless, and that's hard to do. I sent, I sent you a copy. Everyone got a copy. Uh, Dee Dee, Betty, Steve, uh, to your email, Melinda. Oh, my I, goodness. Now, I would like to know if anyone has questions or suggestions as to how we can move this forward. You have so many listeners. You have brilliant listeners. If they have suggestions of what stone we may have missed, please tell us because, I, trust me, I will, I will move mountains for this little girl. Anybody out there? Wow, it's it's really hard to ascertain. <laughs> I think you're on. The, everybody's on the right track. It sounds like it's coming to a, a head soon. It's a real simple. You, you laid out the case beautifully, Melinda. Um, this is really a, a matter of just getting. Uh, I mean, uh, some bulldog journalist that's in the alt-right media to really just take us over the top. I think Mike Michael Cernovich would be a great one. My, Michael Cernovich. I, I don't have his number. But he works with Alan, Alex Jones. He's broken a ton of stories this year against uh, the deep state. If you wouldn't mind sending me that particular individual's name sure. and how to reach him, I will be able to give him all I have. And that's the nice thing about this. We, all of you, with American Underground Network, all of you, we're a part of a team that boils down to justice for this child, but when she has justice, all those other children, all of them, no matter what their race or nationality, they're victims. They're getting closer to their justice as well. 
And that's mm-hmm. what we want. It's not just about this child. Justice yeah. denied one is justice denied all. Take care of this one, and that sets a warning across the globe as a way that you're next. You touch these children. The, the, thing, the thing with the Joan Benet case, though, Melinda, is it is right on the cusp, on the edge of when revealed will blow open, blow to sky high, the kingdom come, uh, the underlying cause and root of, of the of the. And next week, everyone, Danny Wallace will be on our call talking about sexual molestation, deviant uh, abuse of kids, underage kids, and everything else. He, he's back on, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna lead next week's call off with a recap of our discussion about the Joan Benet Ramsey. Uh, uh, call of tonight because I, I really think if, if the Joan Benet Ramsey case is solved, it will open up and expose the, ped, the pedophile rings. One thing I say to parents, and, and I would I would really like to put it out there in case, God forbid, something should happen to me in the next 30 seconds. I would like to put it out there. When you take your children, your young children, to the doctor, you stay in that office with that child. You don't stay outside in the reception area. You stay with that child. When yeah, you go to yeah. the dentist, by the way, they knock you out. When you go to the dentist, you stay with that child. If anyone tells you you have to leave, when you take them to a photographer for family pictures and they tell you you have to leave because you're a distraction, you yeah. take the child, remove your child, and go find someone else. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, this is Sam. Sam go ahead. Uh, go, go ahead, Tim. Yeah. Uh, you know Stanley Kubrick? He made that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. His movie show. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. You know what he said? You know what he said? This is interesting. He said that the world is ruled by, the rulers of the world are pedophiles. You could probably Google oh. that. It's That's starting to come out to be true. <laughs> yeah. It is. He said the rulers of the world are pedophiles. And uh, yeah. remember, he made that uh, movie Eyes Wide Shut, and I don't know who was in it. Uh, Pitts, uh, was that Pitts? One of the actors? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. yeah. And, and who the was woman, the girl? Um, Kidman. Kidman. Kidman, yeah, Nicole Kidman. And and she said something about that, too. She said uh, Stanley Kubrick told her uh, that the, the rules of the world are pedophiles. Now, old man Bush, you was supposed to be a pedophile. I don't know if I, that's what I've heard, read, but I don't know if it's true. But uh, there's a lot of pedophiles down in D.C. And uh, so I'm just trying to decide. This is what Stanley Kubrick said. No. The pedophile rings in Washington and the pedophile rings in Hollywood they were the first to be attacked, to be exposed, the elite pedophile rings in both those areas. There's a person that I speak to on a conference call Monday through Friday. He's from Washington. He is probably one that knows everyone in Washington and their sins. I speak to this man every single day along with Mr. Douglas Millar. We talk about how to move this case forward, and sometimes it goes on for three hours. When we talk about that, and it came out that President Trump ordered the hunting and prosecution, as well as arrest, 
of the elite pedophile ring, starting with Washington, because he was trying to drain the swamp, and then Hollywood as well, because they're back-to-back. This individual that I communicate with every single day, Monday through Friday, he said to me, Melinda, everyone who's in Washington knows that that is what they all do to control one another. And that is why the young aides were there. And we ourselves, right here in New Jersey, our governor a few governors ago, he had to step down because it came out that even though he was married, even though he had a wife, McGreevy preferred little boys. And he was there in Washington, so the boys around him, the children, the aides to the senators and the congressmen and everyone else, they were in trouble because this man was a pedophile. This man liked little boys. That was his preference. According to the individual I talked to every single day, he said, that is the norm for Washington. Now, they are all after Donald Trump for one reason. He's going after the criminals. He wants to take them out, expose them. Well... Guess who doesn't like being looked at under a magnifying glass? All those people that are supposed to work with him. And it doesn't matter which side of the fence they're on, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, I don't care. If you are hurting children in that particular way, you're a criminal, you belong in jail, and whatever happens to you in jail, so be it. And to protect them when they go to prison, I don't understand that. You don't protect anyone else who's committed any other crime, but you protect a pedophile. We have a woman that called me, and I did not realize when she made that phone call that there was a conference call with women from around the globe, including from Japan and China and Europe, and they were all missing children. Their two-year-old little children were being stolen, and most of them, it was two-year-old little girls. And one man who is a very, very wealthy man has a standing order for a two-year-old little girl who'd been untouched and that little girl is never seen again and two weeks later he goes back for another two-year-old little girl and she's never seen from again or heard from and it's a standing order like every Christmas Eve I'm going to have a rump roast that's how these two little children two-year-old little girls are found and never seen so the there's a doctor and he's working with all of them he's pulling them all together to form an organized group of women who've lost their children And I said, name names, the judges who won't help you, the police chiefs that won't help you, the governors that won't help you, and send them all to Donald Trump. Don't send them to me, because I'll send them to him. You're just wasting some time. These children have no extra time. So that goes to what your speaker just brought up, the seriousness of this attack on our children. And it's demonic. Yeah. Also, uh, there are thousands of children disappear every year. And I think they're thrown into the pedophiles. Now, there's a guy by the name of DeCamp. He wrote a book about this. You, I forget the title. What's that? The, Frank, the Franklin cover-up. The Franklin cover-up. Yeah. Yeah. He, and this, this, there was one part of the book, one page in the book, and I read it. It was so horrible. I, I don't have, I have the book somewhere. I don't know where the heck it is. I wish I'd find it. I could quote it. But there's this one guy. He has an island down in the um, Caribbean or somewhere. Does someone know about that? And Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Right. And Clinton's been there. And I think they bring little girls, little children in down there, pedophiles. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I'm that's very DeCamp. On DeCamp. DeCamp's, DeCamp's, he wrote about Boys Town out in Nebraska. Yep. Uh, about the pedophiles out there. 
Hey, I had a quick comment. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, and thanks, Melinda, for go your um, And I just got this information late this afternoon, um, and I'm checking out the source. But uh, I think when anybody needs to be real careful with who they turn information over to, because you don't want to turn it over to the people who are doing this. Um, the information came to me from someone over in the UK, and they have a witness who was at a party, and one of the participants was Jeffrey Epstein. And I don't want to say the name of the other party, but it's somebody whose name we all know. And I would just be real cautious about who I'd give information to. Investigative reporters would be a good source to give it to at this point in time. I appreciate that, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And and trust me, I understand between the lines what you're saying. Trust me, I do. But my mother, God rest her soul, my mother has always said when you throw enough mud on the wall, some of it's going to stick. And if you have to walk side by side with the devil in order to get justice for someone who deserves it and you know that they're being persecuted, then you walk side by side with the devil, you just don't become one. Do you, do you see, this is my answer to your very wise warning, and I take it seriously. I truly do. But I have had to, with getting justice on a lot of murder cases, my own sister, for an example, and soon or later, my own parents, murdered by someone who has a badge, I have to walk side by side with devils in order to get their cooperation so that in the end, justice for the victim, and hopefully I live long enough to get all these cases resolved. And even if I don't, even if I don't, it's okay because I'll tell you why. This recording right here, and you have all heard it, this is a verbal testimony because I am Melinda Kula, and everything is the truth, and I can pass a polygraph. And this here will go on throughout and beyond my life. So if I get hit by a car tomorrow, that's okay. You have my information. All of you have it. Fred has it, and Dee has it, and Steve has it. And they will use the information to push justice forward for this little girl. But right now, there are so many people who know what we know now, thanks to American Underground Network. There are so many that Bill Ramsey doesn't have a snowball chance because even if you don't have a badge, even if you're not in law enforcement or an honorable FBI agent, operative word, honorable, there are so many people who have friends who can get Bill Ramsey's prints, fingerprints, from the November 2nd, 2009 Lakewood, Florida Police Department. Those same people can get the information as well from Burke, North Carolina, December 16, 2016, rather, the arrest report. It was in the earlier part of the month. I want to say the 20th, maybe. But they have to look for William Lawrence Rome, who is the alias, newest assumed name for Bill Ramsey. Now, I've told you all who to look for, how to find out what he looks like, and where to go for the fingerprints. You all have that information. If you know police officers who are neighbors or acquaintances or even enemies, I don't care, ask them to pursue getting those fingerprints. 
Okay, and so everyone, the, everyone, the links to all this information is is on our website in the newsletter. We provided that. Uh, all the links are there. So, so please share this. And the archival link uh, will be available on TalkShoe. If anybody wants to get an archival link to this uh, show, uh, we can get it for you as soon as the show is over. So, Belinda, let's do a wrap real quick. Uh, okay. I got, I got I, I'd like to, to – yeah, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, this is uh, – how many of you know about Bohemian Grove? I yeah, do. We all Twenty-two hundred acres up there north of San Francisco, and for two weeks uh, in July, July, end of June, July, or so forth, they have orgies up there, and they have they have these kids come in. Uh, they lock them up, and uh, it's horrible. You can get the book called The Bohemian Grove. It describes all this, and. These are these are our leaders in our country, congressmen and CEOs, big industrialists, head companies. They all go there and they carry on, and they have a ritual. And there's a book called the Bohemian Grove that you can get. Tells you all about it. And there's one part of the book where they had these two little children locked up in a cage, and I think eventually they killed them. But it's it's really sick. What oh goes God. on? And these are our leaders. These are our leaders. Congress. Not my leaders. Huh? Well, you know. Not what my I mean. leaders. <laughs> yeah, I do know what you mean. I just had to say that. No, these are people running the country, and yeah. uh, they carry on there for two weeks. One of the rituals is, is listen to this ritual that they do. It's sort of like a ritual. They urinate on a tree. <laughs> they stand there and urinated on a tree. These women. They bring the prostitutes in for them, and they bring the children in to the uh, for those two weeks when they're at the Bohemian Grove. It's a good book, really revealing. There's one thing to to back that up, my dear. Mr. Douglas Millar, E M I L L A R. He is the CEO of Unite for Justice, and he's an elder. He's in his 70s. He went there with a group of people. He simply wanted to walk through Bohemian Grove during that particular ritual that you're referring to. And what they did is security came upon this elder man, and they grabbed him, and one of the security guards took his bully club and started to hit this elder, Douglas Millar, as he's forcing him in the vehicle and separating him away from the other individuals who wanted to know what's going on in Bohemian Grove. And then they sped away with him. We were worried sick about whether or not we would ever hear from him again. Now, that being said, another reporter prior to Mr. Douglas Millar's visit to try and uncover what's going on there, because he's very good friends with Mr. John D. Camp, he knows about the Franklin cover-up. Another reporter slipped himself into Bohemian Grove. He somehow got past the security. He hid himself away, and he recorded what had happened, and this is what had happened. A live human being, we don't know how old this person was, was put in what looked to be a casket and set ablaze while he was alive, and everybody else in Bohemian Grove behind the security, they're dancing like a bunch of savage beasts while that person is bellowing in pain until death 
came upon that person, and that reco- reporter recorded that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the guy that wrote the. There's the guy that wrote the book. He infiltrated there the Bohemian Grove, and he got to write the book. Yes, Mr. John DeCamp, you're referring to. Yes. No, no. I, this is another guy. Oh, the other John DeCamp yeah. wrote the Franklin cover-up. I don't. I've, I have the book here somewhere. I have so damn many books, and I, I've read it. And uh, I have to. I'll try to get it for the next time. Find out so I can tell you the, the author. But you can get the book, The Bohemian Grove. I have it's a solution. To, I have a solution to all of this. There are millions of people out there that are good people, that are wholesome people, that do not believe this is proper behavior against our children. They also have great deals of money. They're affiliated with different church groups, religious groups, that sort of thing. You have speakers on TV that are phenomenal. You need to get those individuals into politics, not politics per se, but leadership positions. Take the rats out. Take the snakes out. Put good people in who do the will of the people for the people, and they stop this sort of nonsense. Also, I have posted, and I post all the time on a regular basis just before an election, simply, and it's so simple, vote in new people, let the others fall away with their their monies that they're getting from the taxpayers, let them fall away, because when you have new people in office, I don't care if it's local government or state government and go on up the food chain, when you have new people, they have not developed bad habits yet. And no one knows their secrets, and no one put them in a compromising situation. And that's how we're going to clean up our government, from local government, state government, all the way up. And the people have to say, enough is enough, we're not putting up with this. For those judges that give pedophiles a slap on the wrist, I have always said, look into the background of the judge, and where does he take his vacation? And what does he do during his vacation? Sig a private investigator on every single judge who gives the pedophiles a slap on the wrist, and you will take down this problem very quickly. Uh, you're right, Melinda, but there's only one thing wrong. Well, we put Trump in, and you see, you know, there's a group called the Deep State, which controls the country. And uh, Trump, they're giving him Trump a rough time. Now, Trump sort of reneged on everything he's done, but he's having a rough time because the Deep State's after him. You see what I mean? In other words, there's people that control the country. You call them the deep. They call the deep state, and these people control Congress. They control the president. And I I, I agree with you. You, What we need is a third party and a fourth party. The Democrats and Republicans are worthless because they're both controlled by a deep state. And that's that's the way I look at it. And you're right. And you're absolutely right. Now I will tell you this. There's repercussion against my entire family for what I'm doing and have done for the last 30 years. The repercussion is my daughter is followed to and from our home to college on a regular basis by individuals who intend to intimidate her. My son, the same thing at work. They have people standing next to my son who look like sumo wrestlers, and they're just standing next to him trying to get in his space when, in fact, my son is just a jolly old fellow, and he just looks at them, and he is apologizing for getting too close to them, and he steps away from them, and he handles this kind of imitation rather well. I have had, in one day, two different men threaten me in such ways in front of my children that it was very clear what they were telling me. 
And my answer is you don't you do not have G O D across your forehead and I'm gonna continue doing what I'm doing. And if you take me out, there are plenty of recordings that will last beyond my life. And so I do not show any fear to these low-life scumbuckets who have yellow up and down their back because that's what it takes to come up to a little woman my size, my build, and try to threaten me. Not to mention the... Not to mention the fact they're stupid because they don't know that I'm married to a six feet four, three hundred pound man, and my son is about six feet three, and he's also three hundred pounds. I'm not afraid of large men, so if you're going to threaten me, at least use someone my own size. At least it's a change of pace for me. Right. Well, you know uh, what we need is more people like Ron Paul. You know that's that's the thing, but you know he they blasted him too, so it's it's difficult. Yeah, we need a third party. Or, or if the people would hear us now and vote the next election for someone like Ron Paul or someone similar, if they would just do that, if they would band together and not vote Republican Party or Democrat Party, vote for the right person for the job who's a good, honest person of integrity, then we would all be better off. But they have to band together and get away from this party vote because we won't yeah. change it with that. You see what they're trying to do with Rory Moore down in uh, uh, Alabama. They they don't want him in because he's not going to be part of the group. The people can change that, but they have to get out. I can't tell you how many people I rip into when they complain about who's running and whether they do a good job or not. I said, did you vote? No, don't talk to me. Get away from me. Yeah. And that's the problem. Please, Edie, explain to them. That's the problem. Staying home because they don't think their vote counts. Hey, Melinda, we're going to have to do a wrap, top of the hour wrap, guys. <laughs> I got to get a yeah. <laughs> uh, I Before we wrap this up, though, Al Jordan entered the hospital, the emergency room, last Friday. He had a pacemaker installed in his heart on Monday. Uh, his heart was not properly. Uh, producing a, enough power to drain the fluid from his lungs. He's had a 30, 40 pound, 50 pound fluid buildup in his body. They're taking that water away right now. He sounds better. Uh, so please pray, uh, pray a rosary, pray the Lord's Prayer, but pray for Al Jordan's health. And uh, he, we he all came on. Often, was, he came was on Alan? tonight. He okay. came on for just a few minutes and then he went off. But he hey, also Ray Mills is in hospital. Ray Mills, yeah. that's the other. Do you one. know, uh, Sam? He called me today, but he didn't tell. I couldn't get back to him. His line was busy for hours. Yeah, he he, 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 had a, he has a mass in his abdomen, and it's, oh. uh, it's he I, it's a uh, uh, it's called a beta cell lymphoma. Oh, and oh my God. yeah, now they want to give him treatment. And uh, he's he he refusing it, and he's going to go home and uh, give him treat himself. Okay, good. Uh, that's why he wanted to talk to me. Oh, great. Thank you, Sam. Okay. I'll yeah, get to him tomorrow. He told me okay. he told me to tell the people, tell you people, he's in the hospital. Yeah, beta yeah. cell lymphoma. He has this large mass in the abdomen, and, and the scan showed it was. They did a needle biopsy, and it came back beta cell lymphoma. Oh you know, some of those lymphomas, you get a cure. You can get a cure on them with the chemotherapy radiation. 
But mm. he's he's just set against that, you know, Ray. He does he's on the computer all the time. Well, so yeah, he's gonna himself. There's definitely a lot he can do and, and have yeah. faith in him. So okay, good. Well Fred, um thank you so all right. much. All right, guys, and, and uh, pray for Safer Cox from last week. Great show by Catherine Blesch last week. I, uh, again, next week, uh, Danny Wallace, uh, the Reverend Danny Wallace of Danny Wallace Ministries is going to be on with us the, uh, next Thursday. And then we have a final guest for the year the following Thursday. So thank you, Sam. Thank you, Melinda. Uh, this is a great presentation tonight. Let's keep the pressure on these folks. This information is vital. It's a very, very direct matter of fact combined with that YouTube video. Uh, the, 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 uh, there really is less and less and less place to hide uh, for, for this story to be covered up any longer. It is so simple, and we need a breakthrough. If you know of any investigative journalist, somebody can push this over the top, uh, that's kind of the message that Linda got from that gentleman who she met in that store. We need to get this in the hands of some really cracked private investigators or journalists, journalist investigators who can really write this stuff and put it over the top. Look at all these revelatory stories about all these people uh, that have been caught sexually molesting and groping women and children uh, these last several weeks. So it is happening, and let's bring the Joan Benet story in the wake of all of this because I think it really deserves all of our attention. Thank you, Melinda, again. Because uh, it's that we're coming up on the 21st anniversary of that tragic murder. Hey, so, uh, what destroyed, this is what destroyed the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire. Okay. Yes, it's it. May I say something? Everyone would sure. like to know this is so important because someone just sent it to me. There is the picture of a brand new baby. I'm telling you, this baby looks no more than a few weeks old. You can uh-huh. see a close-up of this baby. I would like everyone to go on my Facebook. It's, as you know, www.facebook.com forward slash M-L-I-N-D-A period K-U-L-A. I want you all to please go and look on my Facebook. It is posted for December 5th. This December 5th, it is a close-up of this baby. This little one is not screaming. He is not sleeping. He has he's gone into a shock, the semi-comatose state that a human body slips into in order to physically survive extreme pain and trauma. This little baby, a couple weeks old from what I can tell, this little baby is what it looks like when there are satanic or ritual abuse of a brand new baby. Look at this picture and look at the baby's eyes. Look at the shape of the baby's mouth and the pain and the torment in this baby. Look at the baby's eyes. This is what they do to very young babies on up. Their favorites oh are too Oh, my God. I'm looking at it right now, Linda. Oh, my God. Okay. Thank you, Melinda. Thank Thanks you, everyone. Of- uh, please keep the prayers going. Dee hope you're all okay, everyone. Thank you, Sam, for your comments. Thanks, Steve. In the background, pray for Ray Mills and Al Jordan, guys. We'll see you guys And by the way, Merry Christmas to every one of you. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys next week. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. God bless all. Thanks, Steve. Be safe. Thank you.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.